Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Morning and welcome to the General Motors Company fourth quarter and calendar year 2023 earnings conference call. During the open remarks, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. I would now like to turn the conference over to Ashish Kohli, GM's Vice President of Investor Relations. Thank you, Amanda, and good morning, everyone. We appreciate you joining us as we review GM's financial results for the fourth quarter and calendar year 2023. Joining us today are Mary Barra, GM's Chair and CEO, and Paul Jacobson, GM's Executive Vice President and CFO. Dan Burse, President and CEO of GM Financial, will also be joining us for the Q&A portion of the call. On today's call, management will make forward-looking statements about our expectations. These statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. These risks and uncertainties include the factors identified in our filings with the SEC. Please review the safe harbor statements on the first page of our presentation, as the content of our call will be governed by this language. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt, a podcast about electric vehicles, renewable energy, autonomous driving, and much, much more. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. I didn't stick the nail. I didn't I didn't nail the landing. I didn't stick the nail. I didn't stick the landing. I didn't stick the landing on that one. So um, this episode's probably going to be terrible, so I would consider turning it off now. As you've probably figured out to this point, we are going to talk about GM's Q4 2023 earnings call. So let's go ahead and dive in right now to Mary Barra's opening remarks. Now, I feel like I need to tell you, most of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis already know this. The opening remarks were heavily edited so that you just hear about the EV bits and pieces. If you're interested and you want to listen to the entire earnings call, there's a link in the show notes. But in order to keep things you know, timely and interesting based on what you come to this show for, uh, this is very edited. I just let you know right out there. So let's go ahead and listen to Mary Barra's opening remarks. As we look ahead, our priorities and our commitments are clear. They are to maximize the opportunities we have with our winning ICE portfolio, grow our EV business profitably, deliver strong margins in cash flow, and refocus and relaunch crews. Across the enterprise, we are taking important steps to deliver on each priority. 
In our EV business, we expect our US, U.S. portfolio to be variable profit positive in the second half of the year based on our current expectations for EV demand and production growth. Strong interest in our vehicles, lower commodity prices, and other factors will support this. Our plan is to produce and wholesale 200,000 to 300,000 Altium-based Chevrolet, GMC, Cadillac, and brake drop EVs in North America this year, but we will be guided by customer demand. It's true, the pace of EV growth has slowed, which has created some uncertainty. We will build to demand, and we are encouraged that many third-party forecasts have U.S. EV deliveries rising from about 7% of the industry in 23 to at least 10% in 2024, which would mean another year of record EV sales. We believe our competitive position will improve throughout the year based on higher production of the Cadillac Lyric, the GMC Hummer EV, the Chevrolet Blazer EV, and the Silver Rado EV work truck. We're also excited to have the Chevrolet Equinox EV and the Silverado EV RST, the GMC, Denali e- the GMC Sierra EV Denali, and the Cadillac Escalade IQ arriving in showrooms over the course of the year. We are confident in the design and performance of these vehicles. For example, the Lyric is driving growth at Cadillac. Its sales have increased sequentially every month since September, and January deliveries should be in line with December despite winter storms across the country. We also have more than 10,000, excuse me, 100,000 reservations and orders for EV pickups that we expect to fulfill in 24 and 25. However, if demand conditions change, we'll take advantage of our manufacturing flexibility in Spring Hill and Ramos to build more ICE models and fewer EVs. We can also mix between different EV products at Factory Zero. Ultimately, we will follow the customer. The supply chain, manufacturing, and software changes we have made will support our growth. On the battery front, our Ultium Cells joint venture is at full production in Ohio, and the new plant in Tennessee will begin shipping cells this quarter. In addition, our supply chain team has moved very quickly to resource two minor cell components after the U.S. Treasury published its updated IRA guidelines in December. This change means that new production going forward of the Chevrolet Blazer EV and the Cadillac Lyric will qualify for the full $7,500 consumer credit. We work closely with our dealers to ensure consistent pricing for our customers, which we estimate will impact no more than about 25,000 vehicles. Our battery module production is on schedule. The team has improved the automated equipment at our assembly plants used to build modules, and the installation of new high-capacity assembly lines should be complete by mid-year. All right. They mentioned that EV production will be driven by demand. And if, you know, the people want EVs, then they're going to build more EVs. If the people don't want EVs, then they're going to build more ICE cars. And for from a business perspective, this makes a lot of sense. But I would argue if your company isn't capable of building enough cars to fulfill demand or the cars that you're building aren't necessarily um, making people excited and wanting to buy them, then you should probably change the way you're doing business. Now, I'm not saying this is this is totally the case with GM, but I am saying that their Ultium platform has not been without its hurdles. Like, And that's just to say it politely. The Ultium platform has, has been a little bit of a nightmare. So to blame demand on your customers, they just say nobody really wants to buy these cars, I think is a little bit ridiculous when you consider the fact that GM isn't building very many electric vehicles. 
So I went to Inside EVs and I found the 2023 delivery numbers for all of GM's electric vehicles. So we're going to start with the bright drop delivery vans. In 2023, GM sold 497 bright drop delivery vans. That's up 240%. Moving on to Cadillac, they sold 9,154 Cadillac Lyrics, which is up 7,403%. So 2023, not a great year for sales for the Cadillac Lyric, but way better than 2022 for sure. Moving on to GMC, the Hummer EV pickup slash SUV, they sold 3,244 of those, which is up 280%. So that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. Chevy, the Chevy Blazer EV, so they sold 482 of those in 2023. And they had to stop the sale. And we'll talk about that as to why they stopped selling those. The Chevy Silverado EV pickup truck, really beautiful truck. They were supposed to have, I don't know if it's the Platinum Series, but the high-end series of that truck out in 2023, and the work truck. They managed to release the work truck version of the Silverado EV, and they sold 461 of those. So if we're just looking at the Ultium platform for GM, GM sold 13,838 EVs based on the Ultium platform. Now, if you look at the Chevy Bolt and the Chevy Bolt EUV, which are based on LG technology or largely based on LG technology, they sold 62,045 Chevy Bolts. That's up 63%, which is a real number <laughs> because when you're up 7,000% and you still only sold 9,154 Cadillac Lyrics, uh, you know, it's easy to be up 7,000% when you only sell a few the previous year, but up 63% for the Chevy Bolt, the, which is now discontinued, uh, totally discontinued. So this is the thing that I want you to keep in the back of your head. And I want you to remind me about is that in 2023, Chevy sold a total of 75,883 EVs, which was up 93%. The vast majority of those sales were for a product that they will not sell any longer. So they've stopped production on the Bolt and the Bolt EUV. They're going to start it again at some point, but I'm not really sure when. So yeah, the, the big question here is, are they following customer demand or are they using customer demand as an excuse to cover up the fact that they can't build cars that people want to buy or are there people out there who want to buy a GM product, electric vehicle from GM, but they can't get one because GM can't build them? And we all know when someone goes into a dealership to buy an EV, let's in this case, we'll say a Chevy dealership, and they want to buy a Chevy Blazer. There's no Chevy Blazers on the lot, one, because GM had to stop selling them temporarily, and two, they only produced 482 of them. That salesperson does not get paid if you walk out of the dealership without a car, so they're going to try and put you in something like a Chevy Bolt, and in actuality, it's more likely that they're going to try to sell you the gas-powered version of the Chevy Blazer because you came in there to buy a Blazer. You walk out with a Blazer. 
Uh, if I were a salesperson, I'd be like, look, EVs are great. The Chevy Blazer EV is great. You probably don't want to, you don't, you don't want to buy the first version of that. There's probably going to be a lot of problems. It's, it's a headache. Just buy a nice car, buy this, buy the Chevy Blazer that's powered by gas. And then next, next time you buy a car, I think the Blazer EV will be ready to go. It's going to be a good car. Like if I were a salesman, I would totally say that nonsense because I, I can't pay my mortgage on you waiting for a Chevy Blazer EV. I just can't. And actually, if you want to know a story, I was a a salesperson for a little bit for a Mazda dealership. And uh, they kept wanting me to sell cars to people who couldn't afford new cars. Like they would always push the new car, even though these folks could only afford a used car. I was, I was a salesperson for like a week and I, I would not, I would, I would actively work against my best interest and the dealership's best interest to help these people get a car that they could actually afford and something that wouldn't saddle them with a bunch of, you know, debt that they couldn't eventually pay off. So yeah, uh, I guess I wouldn't do that because I've already proven that uh, I lost a job because I wouldn't. Also, when they pulled me in to have my meeting, they said, how do you like this job? And I said, I effing hate it. And that also probably did not help my chances of keeping the job. Also, it's a miracle that my wife stays with me, to be quite honest with you, because I do stuff like that a lot. All right, let's move on. Um, Let's talk about the reason why they had to stop selling the Chevy Blazer EV, which was uh, software troubles. And we'll talk more about it uh, after we hear the clip. Our software and services team is also in the process of resolving the stability issues some customers have experienced with the Chevrolet Blazer EV that impacted their screens and charging experience. And they are working with a huge sense of urgency to lift the stop sale soon. We disappointed these customers and we know it. We are determined to get the software right and we will. We have made several organizational and process improvements that will help us deliver the best possible customer experience going forward. Among several important organizational realignments, we established a software quality division within the software and services team that has been performing a retrospective on the Blazor EV and has improved the current software development and test processes across the enterprise. Outcomes of this activity are getting applied to all programs going forward, and they include improved standardization of the software development and release process, increased focus on test automation at the vehicle level, and additional quality gates and metrics for software at the vehicle level. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, let's begin with a little bit of a backstory here, just in case you're you're not aware and you're a new listener. So GM was using uh, Android Auto and CarPlay for their their infotainment software, for lack of a better word. Like they had infotainment uh, software on their system that was built by GM. It wasn't very good. Most people preferred to use Android Auto or CarPlay. Then GM said, or in 2023, they said, hey, we're going to build our own software and we're going to base it off of Google Drive or Google Car or whatever it is. They're, they're basing it off of a Google product that's not Android. Or I should be more specific, it's not Android Auto. I don't know what the underpinnings of the Google software is, but it's not Android Auto. So they're, they're building their own system. A lot of people have had you know, lots of speculations as to why GM wants the data. They want to charge you for a bunch of services like heated seats. Honestly, they could do that anyway, but maybe they just wanted to make it easier to, you know, take money out of your pocket. I don't know. But sometime in December, like mid-December, there was a Motor Trend article where a GM executive, and I think his last name was Babbitt. Let me see here. I might be able to pull it up. Tim Babbitt, GM's product of infotainment. So he gave an interview to Motor Trend, and he had a lot to say about Android Auto and CarPlay, and it wasn't really flattering, to be honest with you. Uh, He threw a bit of corporate shade on the two services. First, he said that both services had stability issues. They had, you know, bad connections, poor response time, poor rendering. And he even said that it would be safer for a driver to use the car's infotainment system rather than picking up their phone, which as far as I know, with Android Auto and CarPlay, it's all on the infotainment system. You don't have to pick up your phone if you don't want to. And if you... You know, there's a, usually a button in the cars that I've rented that have had Android Auto and CarPlay. There's a button that you can push so that you can talk to your assistant. And I should be more clear, the assistant in your phone that I don't want to say because I don't want to um, alert your your phones, set them off and interrupt this podcast. Anyway, he said it's it's safer to use the infotainment screen and not pick up your phone. Although... I will say that he admitted that he had not tested this thesis and he doesn't know if it for sure it's safer to do that or not. And he also went on to say that some JD power feedback, I guess from customers 
was that Android Auto and CarPlay were uh, a poor experience for customers. And there were several complaints about these two services. And for GM or any automaker to solve these issues, it, it was a beyond the control of the automaker is how we put it. So after this interview was released, he had to walk back some of these statements. But when, when this whole thing came out, I talked about it on the show and I mentioned that before you start throwing shade at other companies' services that you're replacing, you should make sure that your service or your software that you're using is rock solid and it isn't going to fail. Well, it did. Right before the end of the year, GM announced that they had to stop selling the Chevy Blazer EV because of software issues. And some of those software issues involved things like charging. I believe some uh, reviewers were left stranded. The infotainment system would just like shut down and not reboot. So there's a whole bunch of issues that happened with these, these Chevy Blazer EVs. Not a great look, but you know what's even a worse look is talking crap about your, your former partners, maybe even current partners in some situations, and saying that your product is going to be better for the consumer, and then it fails. Like, it's okay to fail, but it's downright embarrassing to fail in this way. So software is hard. On December 23rd, 2023, GM announced that they had to stop selling the Chevy Blazer EV because of these software issues. And we are now, you know, tomorrow is February 1st and they still haven't fixed the problem. So maybe they jumped the gun just a little bit. All right. Next, we're going to hear a short clip about hybrid cars. Our forward plans include bringing our plug-in hybrid technology to select vehicles in North America. Let me be clear, GM remains committed to eliminating tailpipe emissions from our light-duty vehicles by 2035. But in the interim, deploying plug-in technology in strategic segments will deliver some of the environmental benefits of EVs as the nation continues to build its charging infrastructure. We are timing the launches to help us comply with the more stringent fuel economy and tailpipe emission standards that are being proposed. And we plan to deliver the program in a capital and cost-efficient way because the technology is already in production in other markets. We'll have more to share about this down the road. I believe that GM has to do this because they can't build their electric vehicles at the rate that they would like to. And they're going to run afoul of some U.S. government standards if they don't do something that's kind of a stopgap. I'm not convinced that when they bring hybrid vehicles back to the U.S., because I don't think currently they sell any in the U.S., when they bring hybrid vehicles back to the U.S., that they're not going to have, they're going to run into some problems. Some of those problems might be on the production manufacturing side, and some of those problems might be that people don't want to buy them. Like, when I first started doing this podcast, there were a few people in my life who were open to buying a hybrid. Most of the arguments were for the people who didn't want to, and even some of the people that did, is more problems. Now you have two systems you have to support. You have the the motor, the transmission, and all that other stuff, and then you have all the EV parts that you have to support. More things to go wrong, basically. And these are the same people who uh, told me that they would never consider buying an EV because of a bunch of different reasons that you've probably all heard. And now, my friends are coming around to the idea of owning an EV. 
they have enough people in their lives that own EVs and they're able to hear about their experiences, both the positive and the negative experiences. We shouldn't ignore the negatives about EVs because that's just going to make a really bad experience for somebody who looked, who goes into this thinking it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows. And then turns out it's not always the case. There are definite, you know, downsides to own an EV, but I think there's more upsides. I don't know if those people want to buy a hybrid vehicle anymore. I, I think they would be more open to buying an electric vehicle over a, over a hybrid, honestly. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Mary Barra did talk about GM Cruise. She didn't talk about anything that would be considered noteworthy. If you're not familiar, GM Cruise operated here in Arizona, I think in Austin and in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, somebody was hit and the the autonomous vehicle for GM actually drug the person that was hit underneath the vehicle for, I don't know, it was like 16 or 17 feet because the vehicle was programmed to move to the side of the road if you're in an accident so you're not blocking traffic. Well, unfortunately, the pedestrian that they hit just happened to be underneath the vehicle and it got the pedestrian got drug along with the vehicle. Now that's pretty bad to make matters worse. The video that GM crews provided the police was edited and, and a bunch of people got fired. A bunch of people got fired from GM crews. They halted service in the cities that they were operating in. It was a whole thing. We will hear a question about that in the analyst questions, but Mary Barra when she talk, talked about GM Cruise in her opening remarks, she didn't really say anything of note other than they wanted to win back the, the trust of customers and regulators, which good luck after that whole fiasco. So let's go ahead and move on to that question. Can you just talk about Cruise? What are sort of the targets for this year that we should think about that would just give more confidence that we've, we've turned the corner there? I mean, from a, you know, from an investor perspective, and, and how you look into that long term. I mean, you, you are committed to cruise, right? That's the best w w way to think about that once to uh, get through some of these situations. Yeah, um, appreciate the question, Dan. Uh, we are committed to cruise. When we look at the technology, the, the foundational technology is sound. Uh, you know, we had already demonstrated and validated externally that uh, cruise technology is already safer than a human driver. Uh, one of the things we've learned is, uh, you know, humans expect uh, technology computers to be um, much more safe than they, you know, their expectations than they have for other for other people. And with that knowledge, uh, we are already working on what the level of uh, the technology needs to be to meet the consumer's expectations. Uh, we think we can we can do that. So we are committed, um, and we are working on the detailed plan right now of how we'll go forward. We're also looking. You know, the other big uh, learning was as you roll out technology that is as transformative as this and has incredible benefits to safety. You have to do it in a way where you're really working with the regulators at the local, state, and federal level, as well as first responders. So as we roll out anywhere, we are going to make sure we build the right relationships, they understand the technology, they understand what the benefit of the technology, and that's what we'll do. But we have confidence in the underlying technology, um, and you'll hear more about our plans for crews as we develop the, the plan in the, in the upcoming weeks. 
All right. I feel like I've done a lot of bashing on GM, and I could probably – no, I could definitely do more bashing uh, right now on, on this answer. This answer, I, I think, is terrible. Uh, of course, you need to work with first responders. That, that should go without saying. Like, they need to know how to disable the vehicle. They need to know how to interact with the vehicle when they're, you know, when they're basically lifting up a car and pulling somebody out that you drug – 16 or 20 feet, whatever the number was, they need to know a lot of different things. They need to know who to contact if they have questions. There's, there's a bunch of stuff. And maybe some of the stuff is already on the GM vehicles. I don't know, but of course people want something that's driven by technology that they don't understand. Of course they want that to be as safe, much, much safer than a human GM Cruz did not have a good reputation in San Francisco for a variety of different reasons. And leading up to this event, there was things that happened like a bunch of GM Cruise vehicles were outside of some festival, some music festival, and they just stopped working because cell service was so like there were so many cell phones in an area, the signals just messed it up and it just stopped. Um, and I think they were all at stoplights. There was another issue where a GM vehicle, GM cruise vehicle, uh, parked in a way that uh, an ambulance couldn't get by it. And they didn't know, the, the firefighters and EMTs and cops on scene didn't know how to make the car move. And so, you know, if you've ever been to San Francisco, some of those streets can be a little bit tricky for human drivers. What I'm trying to say here is there were there were warning signs leading up to this. And based on those warning signs, GM should have had somebody sitting in that driver's seat who could take over in an emergency, even if the car had hit the person. The safety driver, who is a human, who can understand complex tasks you know, beyond what it was programmed to do, is not going to pull the car over to the side of the road while somebody is trapped underneath the car or drug behind, or, or whatever. However this person was drugged, the human is unlikely to do that. It's not impossible, but a re- reasonable human being would not make that choice. So that's, that, that's where I'm going to leave it. On Tesla's earnings call last week, Elon mentioned that if Chinese automakers were able to easily sell their vehicles here in the United States... U.S. automakers would really have a hard time. Like the Chinese automakers are doing so well, they would eat up the competition. So the question is to Mary what her thoughts are on Elon's comments and the Chinese automakers. Elon Musk recently said that in the absence of trade barriers, that China will demolish most of the Western EV players curious your reaction to that comment, whether you'd agree. I think, look, you know, I don't discount any competitor. We need to make sure we have beautifully designed vehicles that have the right features, the right safety, and the right customer experience. And we have to do it at a competitive cost, uh, cost base. And that's why we're focused so much on on our cost base. Now, you know, when you mention um, uh, the Chinese consumers, we do need a level playing field. I mean, there comes a point where if it's not a level playing field between tariff and non-tariff um, uh, barriers, uh, any industry is going to struggle to compete. So give us a level playing field, and, you know, I'll, I'll put our products and uh, our cost structure that we continue to improve up against any. 
All right. I think that was a good answer. I don't have a lot to say about that. So let's go ahead and move on here. On the plug-in hybrid uh, comment of potentially bringing those here to the U.S. to fill out sort of maybe this interim gap, uh, what kind of capacity or volume could you, could you hit there um, you know, here in the U.S.? I know the dealers are clamoring from those vehicles. Yeah, you know, we are going to be bringing those in at a time where we need them from a compliance perspective. This year, we're very focused in, um, you know, I think as we are able to get the delivery to our dealers, they're going to see the strength of the EV portfolio. Uh, so I'll have more to share on uh, the, the hybrid capacity. We'll adjust the capacity because, again, we have the technology. Uh, you know, we, we know the targeted segments that we're going to apply it to. So uh, we'll, we'll have the ability to flex and do what we need to from a hybrid perspective. But I think for, for calendar year 24, um, EV is our focus, and we think we've got tremendous growth opportunity uh, as we free up uh, getting the availability of the products to, to customers. So I'm probably just hearing what I want to hear, but this is a compliance move. I, I, I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. All right, before we jump on to our next question, I should say that one of the questions that I'm not going to play here today, because it was about a bunch of things that aren't necessarily related, led Mary Barra to talk about GM Cruise and their relationship with regulators. And Mary did say that there, to this point, their relationship with regulators has been a positive one, and they're just trying to, you know, put that whole mess behind them. And, you know, hopefully they can. Fortunately, the person who was drugged behind or under the car, the person who was injured in the accident, uh, did not pass away. So hopefully they don't have any long-term, you know, uh, deficits from the accident. And, you know, GM is definitely going to pay out uh, some sort of lawsuit uh, or settlement that is going to be large, I would imagine, based on all of the missteps. It's probably going to be quite large. But anyway, I did want to say that because I know that I've been down on GM for this episode. And honestly, I want GM to succeed I had a lot more to say about this, but it's just dragging this episode out. So let's go ahead and move on to our next question. Mary, I just wanted to shift gears and talk maybe advanced ADAS and software really quickly. Um, Super Cruise, you introduced in 2018. You know, you don't put out too many usage numbers, but I, I think in the middle of last year, you talked about, you know, almost 100 million miles cumulatively. Even if we double that for, for time passage, it, it's not many vehicles, you know, tens of thousands. We also read Ultra Cruise has now been installed. Just high level, isn't this a very slow pace for, you know, a level two plus product? Tesla's been providing for a decade, charging anywhere from six to 12,000 for top versions. I, I guess the question is, isn't this becoming a, a big missed opportunity for GM at, at, at this point for additional revenue? Even, even slide seven, I think only shows one of the ICE launches, the Traverse highlighting um, Super Cruise. So just a broad update when we could start to see, you know, what is uh, a technology probably everyone wants at more sort of mass deployment scale uh, across your fleet? Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, appreciate the question. You know, I think back in, you know, the 18 timeframe, I think we should have, uh, in hindsight, put it across the portfolio much more quickly. Uh, it's on a number of models. I don't have it off the top of my head. Ashish, we can provide that. But it's on a number of models um, across the portfolio right now 
as we launch the Traverse this year will be added to the Traverse. Uh, again, we're seeing extremely strong response from customers where, you know, I think it's over 80, 85% of customers, once they experience the technology, uh, say they would never, they would not want a car without it or they would strongly prefer it on their vehicle, which, you know, in my experience is a pretty high interest rate for, for a single technology. So we're committed. We're going to continue to develop, and we have been along the way, adding more roads and adding more capability, whether it's lane change, whether it's trailering. So there's a robust plan to continue to improve um, improve Super Cruise, and we'll stay on that. And, you know, we are seeing the, the uh, profitability benefits, and the more vehicles, to your point, we get it on, the better it will be, and we're committed to do that and, frankly, have done quite a bit already. And we can, we can provide that. No, that, that, that's right. And, and just in terms of, like, you know, the, the evolution, the speed, is it, is it a technology bottleneck or is it more just marketing, meaning, like, you, you thought of it as a premium product, you, you charge a sort of a a premium rate compared to, you know, other um, uh, GM add-ons, or is it just um, like, like you said, you know, there's a, there's a cost to putting it on every, every vehicle, the, on, you know, the RD&E. Um, so, you know, that could in- increase, but, you know, it, it would obviously be an engineering cost to get it on more vehicles. Yeah, no, we are committed to get it on as many vehicles possible. In some cases, uh, we had planned to make it standard. The semiconductor shortage uh, kind of slowed us down on that because uh, it was a choice of building the vehicle at all or waiting to build it with Super Cruise. Um, so we are very committed to getting it across uh, many vehicles. Uh, we've dramatically taken the cost down on the technology, so it's a it's a really good value and. You know, in, in my opinion, we're deploying it as quickly as we can, and it's, it's really just with – there is engineering reco- required and uh, mm-hmm. some sensors required when you add it to a new vehicle, but we're doing that in a very uh, cadence but uh, as quick as possible fashion. I actually thought that was a really good update. No notes. All right, let's hear Mary Barra's closing remarks. Thank you very much, and thanks, everybody, for your questions. I'd like to share just a couple thoughts before we close. Fundamentally, we believe we are well-positioned to have a strong year thanks to our success in high-margin and growing ICE segments, our expanding EV portfolio, our cost discipline, and our continuous improvements to design, engineering, supply chain, manufacturing, and marketing process improvements. Uh, In addition, we are prioritizing the return of cash to our shareholders on a consistent basis as we execute the plan. We know we must execute in every part of the business in 24, not just ICE, and I can assure you we will. So thank you for your continued support and for joining today's call, and please stay safe. All right, everybody, that is it for us today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to email me and tell me I was wrong about everything, or not to be so uh, cynical, you can do so, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. Uh, Honestly, I'd like to know what your thoughts are. So go ahead and shoot me an email. All right, everybody. I will talk to you on Friday with some news. That concludes the conference call for today. Thank you for joining.